Hello, Vineyard. Hello, Vineyard. Oh, welcome to season two, episode eight. So glad to be here. I'm Doug. This is my dad, Pastor Steve. Uh, if you're new to the show, haven't been around for a while, we take questions that uh, folks can submit via Vine Press. Uh, about the weekend sermon or Bible reading, because that's what we're doing. Uh, if you have questions for Pastor Steve, you can log on to hellovineyard.com or keysvineyard.com, click the Vine Press links, submit your question, and get them answered on the podcast, as long as we get them in time. Yeah, also, <laughs> so, the app is very convenient. And the Keys Vineyard app has a link right there, too. Yes, and so. I, I updated the uh, link just a few days ago, so it works perfectly. I had a few issues on the site a couple of weeks ago, which I fixed, and then I had to make sure the app was current, and it is now, and it's yeah. it's a lovely thing. Love it. All right, so uh, we'll jump right into the show with the first question. Do you think you will see the fifth feast come to pass in your lifetime? Also, do you think the last three feasts will happen in a close time frame like the first four were? Yeah, great question. So uh, if you didn't listen to the message, you, you may wonder what's going on. I did sort of bunny trail in the messages about the seven feasts. Uh, that Israel was commanded to um, participate in every year, and um, all of them in Leviticus 23, and that uh, how the, of the seven, the first four have already been prophetically fulfilled, um, amazingly in the first three by Jesus, um, so you got him fulfilling uh, Passover down to the day, and unleavened bread down to the day, and early first fruits down to the day, perfect down the calendar, and then 50 days later, Holy Spirit comes fulfilling Pentecost. Uh, and that the next um, feast in line is trumpets, uh, which is at the end of the harvest. We're waiting on that one. And then you have um, judgment and then uh, tabernacles. And, you know, tabernacles should be a big thing now for those of you that have been listening to the story because tabernacle was a place where heaven and earth met and it's a picture of Jesus coming and the new heaven coming and so all those things happen. So that's sort of the setup for that question. Um, do you think, I, do I think I'll see the fifth feast come in my lifetime? Here's, here's the answer to that. You have to live like, yes, that you, you're supposed to live in this tension of yes, and, and if not, okay, but I still want to be living that way. So really, we should be living every day like this could be it. Jesus could be coming back. It keeps us sort of motivated to stay engaged in the commission that we have and, and you know, in the partnering work that we have with the Lord. We, remember, from the beginning, God wanted to partner with us to make a difference here on the planet. And... Um, we walked away from that, but when we come to know Jesus, we're, we're reconnected into our original vocation, which is to make a difference in the world. So, um, so I think we're to live every day like Jesus is coming back, which gives us a little sense of urgency. And at the same time, we live um, in, in, in thinking that it might not be that he's... Uh, He's coming back anytime soon. Oh, there we go. So I noticed the screen go out for a second. That was just a projector. We don't need to worry about, about that. Yeah. So um, good. Uh, so so yes, the, it's yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I I I want to live like he, he could be coming at every day. I have to. You have to hold that tension, and at the same time that that he might be waiting for. Um, we don't know. You know, whatever significant period of time it may be. Um, I often say this, you know, the church has been living in the last days since it started 2,000 years ago. So we are. People ask me, are we in the... Absolutely, we're in the last days. But church always has been. That's how we've lived. So um, great question. And, uh, you know, I'm 60 now. So I would love to see Jesus come back. But, but I, I'm, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Uh, in my lifetime, but I have to live like it is, okay? So that's, I don't know how else to answer that question other than that. 
All right, next one. Reading through the account of Josiah's reign, a leftist person gobsmacked over how rampant Judah's idolatry had gotten. There were a lot of scary, sketchy things mentioned that Josiah got rid of. By all accounts, he seemed sincere in his desire to follow God's directions to eradicate false god worship. Are they the only one who read through kings and wonders how the good kings seem to do such a poor job of raising their sons and future kings to be God followers? Yeah, you know, the kings, uh, there was a few good ones in in the southern kingdom. Uh, in the northern kingdom, there there wasn't. Uh, and they they don't seem to do a great job in in how they for the most part how they raise their sons so part of that problem you know if you look they they usually had several wives and so they had several sort of branches of families um and then you know they they didn't always have the best sort of family values uh, and so you, I don't know how much absenteeism there was. I don't know how much most of them sort of really stuck tight to the things of the Lord anyway to pass on. Um, you know, we were looking at this weekend at how, um, you know, during the time of Josiah, he was the first one that even had rediscovered the book after, you know, years and years. So uh, all that is in there. They They had seemingly walked away from the command in Deuteronomy 6 to... Train your children. Talk about it constantly. It should be a constant thing. They'd, they'd walked away from it in that, um, over those hundreds of years uh, of time. So it is, a, it is a big thing to see, and it doesn't seem like you get a lot of succession of good kings having a good king follow them. Uh, you know, um, just the power and position they had, the corruption was there. They were under attack all the time, too. Uh, you know, the enemy was constantly trying to take out the line. Um, so... All those things kind of happen, but I do, I do think it points back to back to Deuteronomy six and why it's so important to pass this on to your children, and and why it's so important to try and live a life according to the Scripture, and we're fortunate that we still have it, uh, and um, there's always a faithful remnant in the mix, so we're happy about that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it is fascinating to watch how far they stray and how terrible often the king's families really are. Uh, the royal family was uh, often not a good situation to find yourself in. So, yes, I, it is kind of shocking and I think also helps us to understand how important it is to not only speak the word but to live it out in the midst of our family so we can pass it on to our children and 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 also, you know, um, so we can stop things that uh, for, for some of you who are sort of uh, maybe don't have a, you know, a, family behind you that got you into the kingdom, how if once you're in and you're walking with Jesus, you can stop a lot of that mess with you and not have it continue on in, in your kids. So yeah, very important to walk with the Lord. Awesome. Great question. Great answer. Next one. During your sermon this weekend, you mentioned that even after reading the Bible many times over the years, it still speaks to you. Have you ever been reading a book in the Bible and thought, where did that come from? I don't remember reading that before. Yes. Good question, and it does happen. You know, there's, um, uh, like I, I said, I, uh, at some point in the weekend, I, I have read the Psalms a lot, I, and and um, it was it was for a long time. It's still to some level is, but for a long time, it was more of my routine, even where I was reading through them um, in pretty often. You know, once a month, once every two weeks, all of them. You know, the the whole chunk of Psalms. Um, 
And, and uh, even through the Proverbs, uh, I've spent a lot of time reading the Proverbs, I'm often amazed at how a proverb will pop out at me that I've read, I don't know how many times, and I'm like, wow, I don't remember seeing that. Or uh, I'll be reading in the Gospels, which I've read many times, and something will pop out and then really just stick with me. Uh, and, uh, uh, I re- you know, it, it's, I can remember not that long ago reading um, Jesus, uh, and he, he said something as simple as, you know, follow me. Uh, and I'll make you fishers of men. And, and I know I had read that lots of times, and it's impacted me in the past, but it, that time that I read it, it just had this other, another huge impact. So the Spirit will take those things and illuminate them to you. And, and uh, you know, a lot of you know about, uh, the, if you were here some years ago, I read that in John, the, you know, that question Jesus asked the guy by the pool, do you want to get well? And I, got, I, got, I just hung around there for a couple of years. Um, and and because it's such an amazing to me, it was just such an amazing thing, and I kept thinking about it and reading it. So yeah, the, the scripture can pop out even after you've read through it. You'll get it's constantly new. The, the, because it's alive, it's, it's constantly new, uh, and the Holy Spirit constantly shows you things maybe that you hadn't seen before. You make connections that you hadn't made before. All of a sudden, you go, oh, that's why that's there. Uh, and so yes, continue to dig in, press in, and you will find more of those sort of revelations as you go, and Holy Spirit will give them to you. Awesome. Next one. Even though they were not reading the Word, uh, wouldn't they still know right from wrong? Was the Word written on their hearts, or is it that after Jesus sends the, the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Um, talking about uh, judges. Yeah, 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 back in the time we were talking about, if they weren't reading the Word, did they know right from wrong? So... There's a, there, there's a, C.S. Lewis talks about the, one of the reasons that we can, we know that there is a God, uh, and this is worth um, certainly reading Lewis for, is that we, we do have sort of a conscience. We have a general idea of the difference between right and wrong. The problem is we can stamp that out pretty easily as well, and um, we, we just oftentimes do what we want to do. And um, you'll see that written... Uh, you'll see that read, you, as you read the script there, you see that they were mostly doing what they wanted to do. Sometimes they would do a little bit of, well, that's like a good thing. We'll do a little bit of that, but we're going to balance that out by doing a whole bunch of what we want to do and hope that the little bit that we do is enough. And you see people doing that today, um, uh, kind of living not good lives and yet doing some good things along the way and thinking that those good things make up for everything else that they've done. And, and we know as, as you know, believers, that's not how it works. Uh, it's not about that you've done more good than not. It's about knowing Jesus. Um, and then it's about once you know Jesus, then he takes care of that. But then it's living for Jesus because that's our response is to live for him. And, and yes, you know, um, the, the word then is written on our hearts when we come to know Jesus. But, but that's, that's when that happens. You know, that's a, sort of a Jeremiah thing talking about, you know, a new covenant. And I'll put the, the, the word on their hearts. So that's, uh, that's more of coming to know Jesus. And there's this very scary passage that's worth looking at. It's the last verse in Judges 21. And it says, uh, everyone did as they saw fit. And that's a really scary statement at the end of Judges. Because you think about what that means, really, is everybody just did what they thought was right. And, um, you know, because evil is a very real thing, all that is what people were doing. And, uh, and so that's a very scary sort of place to live. And so you, you, you see it in, in the world around us. People 
um, uh, doing horrific things and justifying them. Uh, and a lot of people do extremely horrific things and they try, you know, they convince themselves that it's okay um, because it's what they need to do or what they want to do. So yeah, it's a, it's a very um, interesting situation and why, you know, as believers, we need Holy Spirit to help us and we need the Word so that we don't uh, continue to justify doing things that we shouldn't do. Uh, and, and so... Uh, I'm going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks. Is it this week? I think it's probably this week. We're going to look at Nehemiah a little bit. And the people are hearing the scripture and they all, they all start to weep because they realize how far they fall short. And, and yet the, Ezra the priest tells them, no, you need to go and rejoice. This is the, the day of the Lord. Uh, be joyful. Uh, and that the balance there is um, the scripture, it's uh, sharper than a two-edged sword. Uh, it does. It should be cutting us, and at this, you know, to the quick, so that we realize the things that we're doing that we shouldn't do. At the same time, we realize what Jesus has done for us, so we can be reconciled to God. And and in that, there's always the yes, I'm 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 not living up to it the way I would like to or the way that I should. But I'm so thankful that I have a restored relationship with you, and you're already seeing me like I'm living it out. And so um, all that is kind of in the way that works together. Awesome. Uh, a few more questions. Uh, they want you to comment on Second Kings chapter two, verses twenty-three and twenty-four. Uh, it's always seemed like a strange miracle of Elisha's to them. Okay, and and of course you know what that passage is. Um. <laughs> I'm just there's all sorts of like interesting ones yeah, from yeah. Elisha. Uh, I always say that too because when I read the question, I'm like, well, I got to go look that up, right? Uh, but then I understood, so I wrote it down for you. And it's 2 Kings 2, 23 and 24, and it's an interesting thing. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel, and as he was walking along the road, some youths came out of town and jeered at him. Go on up, you bald head, they said. Go on up, you bald head. Wow. <laughs> he turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. So there, there must have been a lot of kids. Well, here's the thing. And, and, and we know he was bald. That's perfect that you said that because that's what people struggle about. And I think in the King James, actually, it says children. And it's a, uh, so there's some issues with that passage. It's really kind of fascinating. There's a lot in those couple of verses. So the first thing is probably a translation, translation problem with where they're getting children or youth from. Uh, and, and the word, the Hebrew word can be translated in different ways. And, uh, because it's a combination, uh, and probably um, one a better translation would sort of be uh, a, a priest is actually one of the translations or servant, so um, uh, priest or, or servant priest. So here's here's more likely um, what's going on in the situation. So Elisha, the prophet of God, is going. Uh, he's in Bethel, which is one of the counterfeit Jerusalems that was set up by Jeroboam. When Jeroboam went to the northern kingdom, he set up two towns to act like Jerusalem. Um, one of them was Bethel, and the other one was Dan. And, and here they did, you know, they, they were idolaters. They, they didn't, it wasn't for God, the real God. It was, uh, you know, for false gods, and they, they, so they were idolaters. And what it looks like is that when the man of God comes, so there's a spiritual battle happening, so the, the the real man of God comes into a false, uh, idolatrous place, and so there's a spiritual conflict. And he's confronted by a couple of 
what, what I would say are probably priests, false priests, or um, sort of priests in training, student priests. That's probably more like it. All right? And they're confronted. And the um, go up bald head, which seems a little rough because apparently Elisha didn't have hair, so it, it wasn't very... A uh, very a nice thing to say, and it was. Oftentimes, people were ridiculed back then if they didn't have hair because it was often sort of thought of as like a skin disease. So mm-hmm. there was that. But the go up thing is significant because what they're doing is they're taunting him because he's Elisha. Remember what happened to Elijah, right? He got caught up in a whirlwind. So they're taunting him. Well, if you're like Elijah, go up, go up, and and it's a big taunt. And the bald head thing just wasn't very nice. And so. Um, so what happens is that bears come and uh, maul not only those two but 42, which is probably, I would guess it's all of the priest, servant priests, false priests at the false temple there in Bethel. They, get, uh, they, they catch it from these bears uh, in what happens. And so it's, it's also, uh, if you look at it, it's kind of a picture of, of things that happen. You know, we had a, a father and son question earlier. Um, a type of father and son thing. Um, so when when uh, when Joshua takes over from Moses, uh, he um, crosses uh, the Jordan on dry ground, and then he goes to battle with the idolaters. Uh, and it's kind of similar when Elisha takes over from Elijah. He does it. He crosses over the uh, Jordan on dry ground, and then he's going to battle there in Bethel with idolaters, and uh, and they're taken care of. God moves in a pretty miraculous way. So. Um, all these things are sort of happening in that story. And, and when you read it like that, it kind of makes it fits better into the picture. Not just some bears came and, and mauled a bunch of little kids because they, they called... Uh, <laughs> well, that's why it's so important to learn some of the original language it's written in. Otherwise, because that's a very distinct difference between, say, cocky student priests and, you know, 10-year-old kids. Right. Because, like, you read youths, you're like, well, why would, you know, yeah. little kids get mauled by a bear just for calling somebody a bald? But, you know, that makes a lot more sense. It was, yeah. a, you know, a and challenge. Then, and, and even a lot of ways, a lot of times that story is taught in Sunday school, but they use it as a moral lesson to not disrespect your elders. And, and, uh, and so people sort of have it that way, but that's really not what's going on. It's a spiritual battle between the man of God and the false priest. And, and so that makes it take on a completely different sort of look. And Then you kind of root for the bears at that point. Well, you, should be, you should be rooting for the bears. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're Dolphins fans here. Right. That's okay. Um, uh, yeah, so I think, great question though. Listen, that's it. When you read stuff, here's the thing. When it, when it seems to like not make any sense at all, there's usually other stuff going on. And so you dig a little deeper and you ask questions. You do this thing. That's what the scriptures should do. And, and obviously, you know, as Doug said, um, you know, I, I can't. I don't understand Hebrew, but I, I do know how to use a concordance. And um, you, you have to kind of dig in to find like the original. And there's there's so many. What Strong's is that what it is? Yeah, yeah Strong's. They'll break it down in the original. I think they're mostly Greek, though, right? Is there? No, they do Hebrew. They and do Greek. Hebrew too. Okay, the Strong's concordance so, yeah. does both, and you can do it one. all online. Look, I was looking at. I wrote down the different things that that word can mean. Um, that's translated there. It's actually translated "little children" uh, uh, in the King James. Uh, boys in the NIV and the older version, small boys in the ESV. But it can actually mean um, uh, everyone from baby Moses, they use the word for, to fully grown Absalom. Uh, it can also designate a servant, an armor bearer, a king's official, and a priest. So it's in the scripture, it's used under all those terms. So when the translators picked one, 
you know, why they ended up picking that one, uh, 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 I'm not sure. But uh, I think uh, with what we just explained, that, that then the passage makes a whole lot more sense as it flows into the rest of the story. Cool. But great, great question. Great discussion. All right, a couple more questions. Until the priests found the book of the law in the temple, what do you think the people of Israel hoped in? The messianic prophecies that were written all over pointed to Jesus, but the people weren't reading the book or celebrating the Passover festival at that time. You know, uh, I, I think it's... You know, it's sad that with, without the whole story, we, we don't put our hope in the right things. And I, I don't know, you know, exactly what they were... They would stand on... Uh, um, some tradition, but it was so messed up. You know, the enemy did a thorough job of of messing up what was supposed to happen, and uh, um, and people went with it. And so they get their hopes in other things and in false things. It happens today. People often have their hopes in the wrong places. We've talked about that. Uh, and so they just they sort of lose sight. And over time, um, God sort of becomes. Like it, unfortunately, just for a lot of people, God becomes like like a myth to a lot of people, and and uh, and instead of understanding who He is and the the dynamic relationship that He has with us, and why it's so important to know the whole story, I think one of the saddest things is connecting with believers who don't haven't ever sort of gotten a hold of the whole story, and don't know how it fits together, and don't know the beginning and the end, and how it works together, and have have sort of found little pieces that they're standing on. But, but it doesn't allow them to experience the, the, you know, the breadth of everything that's taking place and get their hope in the right spot, which changes life. Um, so, yeah, just kind of a scary time. You know, the Kings is a scary time in history, and, and the people aren't doing what they're supposed to do. And so we see, you know, what ultimately happens is the kingdoms are both destroyed and, and exile happens. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, we're, we're grateful that the exile comes to an end and they're brought back to Jerusalem. That's the whole returning from exile is really a picture of forgiveness. It's, it's kind of an interesting picture. Um, because ultimately that's what's happened to us. We, we're sort of all gone our own way. We're exiled. When we come to Jesus, you know, we're, we're, that's our return from exile. We're back connected and it's this picture of forgiveness. So um, very scary uh, how quickly people can get their hope in other things and um, that aren't the things where their hope needs to be, which is in, in God. Uh, you know, our hope needs to be in the living God. Uh, I've got that in, coming up in one of the uh, sermons here soon, um, this week or next week. I, I'm looking at both of them right now, but, but you'll see that. That's where I think that's in First Timothy, and so that would be the following week. It is in First Timothy, now that I'm thinking about the verse. So, you know, our hope is in a living God and all, all that that means. But, but great question. Cool. All right, we got uh, one more question. And uh, this one says, and it's actually not on my notes. I have to read it from the the site on my phone here. Uh, There are times more often than not where uh, this person feels unworthy, just like Peter did. Uh, Jesus' displays of concern for Peter, who denied him, uh, is only recorded in Luke. Do you think Jesus did this then for our benefit now, to recall and take hope in the caring, gracious God? He is to those who actively seek his face and kingdom above all else. Yeah, you know, and I think um, Jesus makes it um, a point, uh, and particularly with Peter, to make sure that um, Peter's on the right track. And I, I'm just thinking. So we're we're just. I haven't. I didn't get to that question. We were sort of um, 
have my complete response for you, but I want to look here, and uh, there's a passage that I'm pretty sure is at the end of the Gospel of John. It is. Uh, you know, we talked here about Luke, but, you know, remember, too, because um, there, you know, Peter gets it right with, with uh, knowing who Jesus is and then, and then tanks it big time in the next statement. Uh, but but I, I love this at the end of the Gospel of John, and this is where Peter has denied Jesus three times, and Jeter, Jesus seeks out Jeter. There's a combination Jeter, of Jesus Derek and Jeter. Peter. Yeah, yeah. Peter. It just kind of came out that way. Jesus seeks out Peter and reinstates him. And uh, it's uh, it's in John 21. And most of you know the story. You know, do you love me? You know, I love you. And it's uh, interesting because he uses different forms of the word love there. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, do you, do you really love me or do you love me like a friend? And this goes on. But he is, is making sure that Peter knows that, um, God loves Peter. And it, it wasn't based on Peter's performance. Jesus loves Peter not based on his performance, but because he's God. And, and that uh, I think that's very comforting. And I do think, yeah, that God goes out of his way to make sure that we know that and understand that and see that. So, uh, so yeah, great question. And, and I hope that helps with, uh, with that. Awesome. So, um, yeah, anyway, uh, worship. I had to make a few changes, so I don't quite have a set ready to go. Uh, what do you, what's our appetizer for this weekend for sermon? We actually have a delivery, and so I'm going to go sign go, that. I'll do that. Tell them about the sermon. Yeah. So we're in Nehemiah 8, and uh, uh, that's one of those fascinating places, too, if you read uh, where the scripture is kind of chunked up a little funny, because um, we actually will start in the end of Nehemiah 7, um, the 73rd verse. The back half of it says, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, then verse 1 of 8, um, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. And we're going to look at that and how the, the scripture is read there, how it impacts the people, and how that continues to impact us. So all of that is uh, what's coming up. I think it's going to be very interesting again, and, um, and so we're going to dig into that. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, come, come ready. If you want to get ahead, read Nehemiah chapter 8, at least the first sort of half. But it wouldn't hurt you to read, the, read it all. It's not a big, big uh, chapter. So read that, and then we'll, we'll jump into that. Cool. Looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much for your Vine Press questions. Again, if you want to submit yours about your Bible reading or about the weekend sermon, you can log on to hellovineyard.com, keysvineyard.com. Click the Vine Press link, submit your question. Also, you can use our Keys Vineyard app. You can find the link on there. Uh, this podcast is made possible by the Keys Vineyard Community Church. We both work there and are here right now. But uh, we'll be live this weekend, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, YouTube, the website, Apple TV, Roku channels available as well. Uh, also, check out the Jesus Moment Bible Institute. You can log on to onlinebibleinstitute.org, sign up for classes, get your associates and bachelors from us, uh, free of cost to you. So both of those are great groups that we are a part of. And uh, I think with that, we'll say goodbye, Vineyard. Goodbye, Vineyard. See you next time.